We're just such complex beings. We're so much more than just our grief. We're so much more than our happiness. We're, we're just these complex people. And to be able to write a character, you have to look at them from all sides. For a reader then to get into their shoes and to experience what they're experiencing. Welcome to Community Good, the podcast that shares powerful lessons to help you navigate the life you want. I'm your host, Marnie Andes. In this episode, you'll hear from Melissa Payne, best-selling author of four novels, including A Light in the Forest and The Night of Many Endings, who talks about her journey from an early career fundraiser to a full-time career author. Beyond her exceptional writing talent and personal success, she's an inspiration, believing deeply and reminding us all that we have a story to share. And now, my conversation with Melissa Payne. Well, thanks, Melissa, for joining me on my podcast. I, I really did enjoy meeting you a few weeks ago when we got the chance to actually speak together at a, at a women's event. So. Uh, I did, too. I went home and told my husband that I met Wonder Woman. So Oh, wow. I, was, uh, <laughs> I loved That's hearing your nice stories you. and um, just your advice. Oh, well, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I loved yours, too. I mean, there's something about when you meet someone where you just click, and I felt like we just had a great conversation. Mm -hmm. You never know when you're co – well, we weren't co-presenting, but when you're like on a panel-type yeah. situation and you're just not really sure how the others will react to certain questions, but it was great to be able to speak with you. Yeah, I thought the back and forth was fantastic yeah. and a good audience, too. I thought it was a great audience, mm -hmm. yes. Um, well, that's why I wanted to have you on the show because, well, one, just to – to be able to learn more about you as a person, but also just this really cool career that you've turned this into, which we've obviously, I, I say we've both written books, but you're on a whole different level because I mean, the fact that you've written multiple books, um, I mean, the difference too is you've got fictional books, mm -hmm. written a non-fictional, maybe we'll get into some of that. But mm -hmm. I just wondered like, how does one even get started on that journey of writing? What was your what was your journey? You know, I don't think it's too much different from anyone who has a passion or something that they want to see through to the end. Um, it just depends on when we start on it. And mine came a little bit later. And something in your book actually really resonated with me. And it was uh, your dad's first advice of um, own where you came from. And so before I wrote um, my earlier career, I worked for a nonprofit for children who've been abused and neglected. I was in fundraising development. And I was I did that for a number of years. And prior to that, I'd gone to school, I got my graduate degree, and I had planned to work for a long time. And when we started to have children, my husband really felt strongly that somebody should be at home with them. And it's not that like I hadn't thought that before. I just hadn't thought it through. Mm. And where we chose to live, which was in the mountains and on, on a budget, um, I realized pretty quickly after the kids started to come that I couldn't do both. I couldn't get the kids to daycare and get to work. And it wasn't going to feed our family or me. I was going to be a half person at work and a half person for the kids. And my husband, you know, was willing to be the one who stayed home. But after I started having kids, I realized, no, I wanted to be home with them. And so for a long time, when I talk about my writing career, I kind of talk about when, the moment when I decided to write. And I wash over a little bit the fact that I stayed at home. And maybe that's a piece, I don't, I don't want to say that was embarrassment because I'm proud of that. 
And I'm proud of that time that I have with the kids. And it, right now I'm, I'm um, enjoying the, 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 all that time I spent with them because our relationship is so rich and I'm so proud of these little humans and I'm proud of that time. But for a long time, I kind of, hmm, well, I went to school and I had my early career and then I stayed home. I didn't talk about that as much. But now I, when I read that in your book, I thought that's a really important part of me because in doing that, I learned that when I was a stay-at-home mom, I was teaching my kids how to be themselves, to learn what their stories were, and then to act and to make decisions according to that. I've never been a parent who says, um, well, listen to me and do what I say, when they were really little, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but I'm the kind of parent that says, well, who are you? And now let's figure out how you make decisions that is true to that person. And I've taken that into writing because when I create characters, I'm thinking, who are those people and what are their stories and how can I uh, facilitate getting those stories across on the page? So I wanted to say that because kudos to you for that. Oh, and that's only the you. first lesson. <laughs> so I'm not, I haven't finished that book, but... Um, that really spoke to me. And um, so when I came to a point where the kids were a little older and I wanted to go back to work, I had started to write. I had uh, started a blog that was in the um, Irma Bombeck style of funny life little lessons. And it was just a something I did. I all have always loved writing. It's an expression where I am the most comfortable. And um, I... My son was in kindergarten, and I said to my husband, well, I'm going to go back to, school, to work now. And I had been working as a consultant throughout the years. You know, when I could, I would work on a project or an event. Um, I was still raising money and still involved in local nonprofits. Um, but I said, well, I think it's time. And I, at that time, met a man at my kid's school who had written a book, found an agent, and was out on submission. And I thought, well, I would like to write a book. I think I would like to write a story. I wonder if I could do that. And that was the beginning. And instead of saying, I wonder and questioning myself about it, I told my husband, I told the kids, they were little, but I said, I'm going to write a book. And the kids said, great. And my husband said, great. (laughs) And eight months later, my kids said, are you still writing that book? I said, I am. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's, that's pretty much the kickoff is I just decided and then I committed my time like a job, and I would sit down as soon as the kids were off to school, and I would write. Yeah, well, I think that's a big question that I get asked quite a bit, which is, well, usually it's a, it comes like this in a form of a statement first. People say, well, I really would love to write a book, or you might have someone, I actually just met with someone yesterday who's been on the podcast, and they said, I know I need to just write the book, you know? And so how you got started, you always loved it, the creativity piece of it. I want to talk a little bit more about that. Like, where did that come from? Because some people may not even have maybe that, but they're thinking they should write a book. And I'd love for us to also get into like logistics Mm -hmm. of like, quite literally, how do you get started doing it, like the discipline around it? But where's that creativity come from for you? I was definitely born with it. Um, From the stories I would tell my parents, I would just make up stories and tell my parents stories and they would listen. And when the kids were little, I would make up stories. I had actually had a running 
story about Isabella, Chloe, and Shu, and three three kids on a time traveling adventure. And we just would talk about them at bedtime. You know, it wasn't anything I wrote. Um, the creativity piece. It's funny though. I never saw myself as a creative. You know, I never saw myself as that free flowing. Because when I hear creative, I think of this really free person, right? I felt very much a part of this is what my life looks like. These are my rules that I follow. This is what I do. And so that creative piece, I'm like, well, I'm not a creative. So to kind of make that leap behind, because fundraising is about telling stories. Um, So I was comfortable there, right? Because I'm telling somebody's story for the better good. Um, But that still was within... um, that was still was within like here's what how you're supposed to do that. So that idea of this free flowing creative was really hard for me to identify with. And even now as a writer, and I I, I take my characters with me everywhere I go. But I eat with each book, I'm in their world. It doesn't feel not real to me. It doesn't feel it's very real to me. So the creative piece, I guess is my desire to get into somebody else's experiences and understand them. So is that how you develop your characters? I mean, I'd love for you to walk us through that. Um. So my very first book, The Secrets of Lost Stones, um, one of the characters, Star, is um, a 15-year-old homeless girl. And she came off the page for me because I had worked with children um, who had been homeless, um, who'd been in the foster care system, who at that point were at a residential facility, um, kind of as a last stop, getting the services they need. And we volunteered, my husband and I would volunteer with um, a lot of the kids. And one thing our executive director said is, all these kids, all they want is a family and a home. No matter what they look like, no matter what their actions are, what they want is a family. And um, Star was this child who kind of lived in my heart for many years, based on the kids that we knew back then, um, because she's very real. Um, she wants a family. She wants love. She'd take her own family if she could. Um, so Star, for me, was someone I knew, you know, and so she came off the page very easily for me. In other books that I've written, um, uh, The Librarian in The Night of Many Endings, she was modeled off of a woman that I heard on a TED Talk. Um, did I mention this on the... I don't think so. So for that one, I had I watched this TED Talk of a librarian in a, um, uh, an urban library. And as you we have heard a lot lately... Um, this library had seen a whole lot of how homelessness and drug abuse were affecting public spaces, community spaces like our libraries. And she had um, people who were overdosing in the stacks in front of the library, Mm -hmm. around other patrons, around children. And she decided to get um, trained on how to use a nasal spray that reverses the effects of an opioid overdose. And so pretty soon she was helping kids find reference materials write resumes and saving lives. And people asked her, why? Why do you do that? And she said, well, and what she did was she told them her story. And she said, both of my parents were addicts. And they hit rock bottom so many times. They had destroyed our family. Um, I had no home life anymore. And there was no way they were coming back from this until somebody gave them a chance that other that last chance, that hundred and second chance, and now they're recovering addicts. And her story just gave me the chills, and it was very powerful for me. And that's where my character Nora came from. Okay, yeah, 
Yeah, because I just started. We at the event that we were at, we thought, oh, we'll just exchange books and then we can get started on it. But I, I love even how you've set it up in a Colorado town, and mm-hmm. we already have some connections, especially for those who are local to it all. But I wondered around how do you set up these characters? I mean, that, see, that's really powerful because I think part of the power of sharing stories, and I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but not necessarily everybody knows around this, which is, you know, the concept for me about community good and why I invite mm-hmm. people like yourself on this sh- show to be able to share all these stories is that I really believe that if more people had the ability to get those out in the public, to be able to share them, not just for other people to hear and to be able to benefit from, but just by being able to articulate those stories, to be able mm-hmm. to articulate articulate those things that they're learning or the things what motivates them, what an incredible connection we would have as a community if we could do those things. Well, you, you, a lot of your guests have talked about that, about just sharing their own stories in order to understand other people's stories. Like, we're, sh- I'm sharing mine, and then I, somebody else is going to share their own, and just listening to each other. That to me is kind of my is the place where I go to when I'm writing a story. Is I want to learn as a reader, as a writer. And I want to share stories that we might not otherwise see on TV, in our lives, in books. Um, and it's important to me to, to show characters as they are. I'm not trying to create stories that aren't real. I want them to be real. I do, however, believe in a happy ending, but I believe in a happy ending that doesn't um, take away from what's real in someone's life. Like one of your guests um, had so many personal tragedies, and yet she has a happy story. And so I think there's so much beauty in chaos and so much beauty. There can be so much beauty in um, our challenges that in stories, that's what I want to pull out. And it mm-hmm. and it's what I'm learning to do in my own life, too. Right. What is a character or who's the character that just – you talked about one that just, you know, you were able to just free flow and just start putting it on paper. Where's a character that you maybe struggled with? Mm-hmm. Um, from my first book, actually, Jess. She was a young mother who had lost her eight-year-old son in a hit-and-run accident. And I wrote her, and it might have been because it was my first, or it was my second book, but I don't, she was incredibly difficult. In the first few drafts, nobody liked her. And I could not understand how you could not relate to this woman, whether or not you had a child, but she lost somebody in, in a horrific manner. How could we not like her? How could anyone not like her? And what I'd done was I had written her the way I would have felt at the moment it had happened. I'd written her numb. I had forgotten that Jess, this character, had lived eight, it had been eight years, six years since her son had died when the story picks up. And and within that time, grief is something we live with all the time. It doesn't necessarily go away. It can change. It cannot be as heavy. It can be lighter. It can be heavier. But um, I'd forgotten she also had had experiences. She had still lived. And I wasn't showing that person, that part of her. I was only showing the grief. And we're just such complex beings. We're so much more than just our grief. We're so much more than our happiness. We're, we're just these complex people. And to be able to write a character, you have to look at them from all sides for a reader then to get into their shoes and to experience what they're experiencing. Wow. Well, you know, what hit me was the fact that you're talking about how people didn't like her. 
But if you uncover that, it was because people didn't know her. And I think there's such a message for people to hear that, which is, you know, going back to this whole connection piece, when we connect with one another and we share real stories and we share authentic stories and we share really who we are, people get to know us. Yes. And we're so afraid to do that. Mm -hmm. It's easy for me to do it. It's so much easier for me to do it in my books. Although I do try to live that way. I'm, I am a pretty much you, what you see is what you get kind of person. Um, and I try to teach that with for my kids as well. Um, but isn't that true? Like just... <laughs> right. It is scary to be our authentic selves because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of what people... But if we don't let people in, then that was a great example. Then you're Jess and mm-hmm. people don't know you. They only see one side of you. Well, so I want to go to the logistic piece of this, which I guess I, I hadn't even thought about that. Um, in your writing, how what is that process then to I get, get, get feedback or advice on mm-hmm. characters? Like yours is – I know that yours is much different than what I went through, particularly when I wrote the book because I'm not necessarily getting feedback on does that person resonate. But what, what is that process like then as you're building characters and building that story? Right. But I would argue with, with nonfiction, I mean, that's even more personal because this is your dad's stories. These are your stories. This is your advice for people on how they can be better leaders and people and, you know, in relationships. So there, it is pretty personal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with my characters, I there is a humbleness I have learned. I love writing. I love this career. It has taught me so much. Um, when I decided to write, I didn't say, I'm going to write, and then the next day I was published. I went the long route of wanting to be traditionally published. And to do that, you have to put your writing, your characters, in front of people and ask them what they think. And then you need to listen. It doesn't mean you have to be walked over or run over and say, okay, you're right, I'm terrible at this. But it's okay to, within that, recognize your faults, recognize what you're not good at. And then figure out how to make those better. So with characters, with Jess, it took several um, critiques for me to finally see what her issue was. It wasn't – I didn't figure that out overnight for her either. It took many revisions. Um, And so with characters like that, you just – with critiques, um, it's an an important piece of that is to be humble and – listen to what people have to say and then figure out how can you incorporate that and stay true to what you want to do with that story in the first place. Mm-hmm. Well, I think about as people are trying to come up with this for themselves, I, like I said at the beginning, I've had many people ask or make statements about, I need to write a book or what's it mean to start writing a book? I wonder when you have people ask you, no doubt, because mm-hmm. you're an author, um, I just I can't write. I'm just I'm just not a writer like you. What is your response to them? Right. <laughs> I could I could have said the same thing. You know, like um you have you have if you want if that's something you truly want to do. I mean, we all have dreams. I may I might want to jump out of a plane one day. I might not. <laughs> but if we if if someone's dream is truly to write and to share their story, then um and actually this is kind of relates to something I might say later. But um, sometimes even authors do this. We think that first manuscript has to be beautiful. We think it has to be life-changing. Sometimes we just have to get it on paper. We just have to get it out. I think of that with every first draft I do. 
That's me just getting the story down. It doesn't have to be beautiful. In fact, there might be pieces of it that I read back and go, that was horrible. But at the time, I thought it was beautiful. The, the thing with writing and with um, – I think this can relate to a lot of different um, pursuits – is that it's not about getting it perfect that first time. It's about getting it done and then going back and figuring out how to make it better. Um, but to me, writing this career life isn't about – getting it perfect. It's about working on it. And that means working on it constantly. I mean, I get to a point with a book where I'm like, that's good. I'm happy with that. Let's put that out there. I think we do that in pieces of our lives, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm good. I'm going to keep working, though, so I can make this one better. Right. Well, I mean, you made a big point, I think, for so many, which is just start doing it. I mean, to the point where if you want to write a book, start writing. If you want to start putting out some ideas, don't be so scared about the draft. I mean, I've thought about this with programs that I've helped people with, which is too many times you're you're working on perfecting something, which by the way is never going to happen because it just won't. Mm-hmm. But but if you don't ever just start putting some things out there, no one has the ability to react to any of it. Exactly. You don't have the ability to get feedback like you do on your characters, which I think is really incredible. But we can be very scared of feedback because we think that feedback, and I know a lot of writers feel this way, feedback critiques mean you're not good. I think we talked a little bit at that event about imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I think we feel it in lots of different areas, right? Maybe even as parents. There was a time where I was thinking, I I don't know what I'm doing. But does that change, by the way? Because I feel like that's what I would say to myself all the time. I have no idea what I'm doing. No, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Right. I think it's a gift to be able to acknowledge that you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because then you you give yourself space to learn and to... And to change. So I would never want to get to the point where I'm like, I am, I've done it. Right. <laughs> I have all these novels and I've done everything. No, to me, it will be a constantly evolving pro- process. And what I hope to be writing when I'm in my 80s. And I hope that those stories are richer for it. So I think if we could just think of that and take that back to that first idea of I want to write a book, then do it. Mm-hmm. And it is so okay if it's not pretty. Because you've got so much time to put depth and beauty into it if that first attempt isn't what you wanted. Right. Well, you said something about feedback isn't always easy. Um, And maybe sometimes we don't want to hear it. Also, sometimes I think we feel super uncomfortable giving it. I I read this recently, which was someone making the um, statement that it wasn't so much feedback we need to be giving, but in some cases we might want to be asking for advice because it somehow opens up a conversation potentially. I don't know if you have thoughts on that, Mm -hmm. but when you were going through your book writing process, was it feedback or was it advice that you were getting? Um, Neither, except this is the kind of thing you do. I noticed when we were talking and I thought every time you say something, I go, yes, that's exactly. (laughs) So you're hitting the nail on the head. But instead of advice, um, I've always said the best editors ask questions. So they ask the kind of questions and, and, and really good critiques ask questions. Because then instead of saying, well, I think that your character should live on Mars and have an issue with her mother. (laughs) <laughs> and that's not at all your story, right? right? So someone who asks a really good question, you then get to go into that manuscript, that character and, that you've created and and put those questions on top and say, okay, 
how can I relate this to what I already, what is my goal for the story and for this character? And how do those questions open up new possibilities? Mm-hmm. So I think asking the right questions is a really, it's, it's a skill. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think too, it, well, it actually goes back to your point around listening because asking good questions is the door to people being able to listen effectively. Mm-hmm. And too many times we're probably making statements instead of just asking some questions to get others to talk. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, like, so that's an editing point. But when I'm reading somebody else's story, I think the same thing. I could say, oh, maybe you should, and maybe sometimes I'll say, you should try all of this. But when you ask a question, it does show that you either were paying attention um, or that how that person has communicated their ideas has value. And so you're just, it helps with that creative piece. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to a logistic piece of here, which is I know in order for people to get writing, you're saying just start writing. I mean, if you have a desire to write, talk to me just logistic. What is your process? I mean, how mm-hmm. do you get going? How do you continue? I know during the event that we spoke at, somebody asked you about writer's block. I mean, if you could just sort of like mm-hmm. lay that out for people as to what does writing look like for you on a day-to-day basis? This is where I think I say I I divert from the creative person because I am a head down nose to the grindstone writer, which does not make it sound very romantic or fun at all. But within that, I find a lot of um, creativity and and peace and fun. Um, but I ha- I learned from the very beginning because I wanted to contribute to my family. I wanted to further my career. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a published author. And I kept that here. And so I wrote every day as though I would go to work every day, as though I was you know, raising funds for a nonprofit. I worked every day. Every minute that I had, I wrote. And I was okay that it wasn't pretty. I was okay that it wasn't, I knew it wasn't a keeper. Lots of paragraphs that I put down, lots of um, uh, prose about an aspen leaf on pavement that maybe went on for too many sentences. <laughs> um, I, I just kept, I kept at it. And so my process continues to be that to this day. I do take this job, I do take this seriously as a job and as a way to contribute and as a way to further myself as a person and a human and um, as a writer. And so I I write. I know it's so simplistic. And when I hear myself, I wish I could give better or more specific advice. Um, but I think sometimes we think that writing bug has to live in a certain area, a certain place, and the conditions all need to be perfect for it. Um, when you can harness it a little bit more than you might think you can. Well, I listen, I really enjoy simple, straightforward advice. And I think part of what you bring up for me, at least what I'm hearing around all of this, is if you if you want to do something, yes, you just need to start doing it. But what you said, which was you treated it and you continue to do that, that's your job. That's what you decided to do. And I think for anyone who's, whether they're wanting to write, whether they're wanting to start a business, whether they're trying to maybe change careers or thinking about doing something different or whatnot, you have to commit to it. I mean, I've I've been having this conversation actually with a number of coaching clients right now, which mm. if there is a theme that is running through all those conversations, it's not doing more of something. It's not doing something even different at this point. It's just being consistent mm-hmm. with what it is that they want to do. Exactly. You know, with writing, it can be whittled down to, I'm going to write 250 words in 30 minutes. 
And that's what I'm going to do today. But I think we can apply that to anything. It's setting that intention of I'm going to do this. In my case, it's writing. I'm going to write a book. But to do that, I'm going to write a page. And then I'm going to write several more pages. And then I'm going to write so many pages I've written a book. Um, but it is that it is that simplistic set your intention and then move towards it. Yeah, I love this. I mean, I, re- I um, recorded what I call solo casts. And I talked about for people to stop goal setting um, because that's what you hear at the beginning of every single year. It's like, oh, you need to set your new goals for the year. And I kept going to, no, it's people need to set intentions. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you just said that, which – I mean, what you just even provided there is so much good advice because, again, whether it's writing a book, whether it's, I don't know, getting healthy, whether it's you know doing all these things, it's like start with those small steps, those mm-hmm. small habits that you can continue to build on in order to have this beautiful book at the end. Right. But I, you really can't apply it to so much. I mean, if we, if we decide, you know, we're going to do something, we're going to climb a mountain and then we go climb a mountain, it doesn't happen like that. Even, mm-hmm. you know, even in other worlds, it's you prepare, you know, right. you do little bits at a time until okay. you can climb the mountain. And I have to assume, because <laughs> this is what's going to happen, because people are going to, you know, I think about a successful author like yourself. I have to assume that there's days where you're like, oh, God, there's like nothing happening for Mm -hmm. me. Like, what do you do during those days? Like, how do you continue to push yourself forward? I chew on it. It's it's what I'm realizing I do as I look back on, I just turned in my fifth book. So, um, and I realize what I do, I hem and I haw when I can't figure out where this story needs to go or what this character needs to do in this scene. Because I'm the kind of writer, I write, I feel the story. I don't, I do a little bit of planning. I mean, I do, I, I do more, I have an idea of where the story's going to go. I almost always know my ending. But then I allow myself within that story to shift gears as needed as the characters reveal themselves to me and as I get to know them better. Um, because then maybe what I had planned for them is not authentic to the person they are. So I have to, I have to switch gears. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have learned to just kind of like to do that within my stories. And um, yeah. Well, because I I think about that, too. I mean, even some of the things that I've shared. I mean, I've had days where I'm just not feeling it. And it may not even be because of writing. It might be, you know, I was going to talk about a certain Mm -hmm. topic and I'm thinking, gosh, I'm just not feeling it. And yet I think that's actually really important for people to know because Mm -hmm. in order for you to be a successful writer doesn't mean that every morning you wake up and you're writing incredible stuff. No, it it can be very ugly. And that's you. But that's the grind part. You just mm-hmm. put those words down. And, you know, life can get in the way, too. I mean, I have learned to write. When I first started, it was shuttling kids around. I was in the car writing. I was, you know, in corners writing. I was in the bathroom writing with the door closed. <laughs> Anytime <laughs> I could get a minute, I was writing. And um, so I, I really did take that with me. But then it can be um, when my dad was ill. Um, I was my mom or myself. We were at the hospital every day for eight weeks. And you would think that would have been an amazing time to write because, I mean, I would sit for hours. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I could not write. And I finally just gave up. And I was under a pretty tight deadline. And I finally just gave up and said, you know what? It's okay. I can't. So maybe we could call that writer's block, right? There was definitely something keeping me from writing. And I just gave myself that space in that time, I just said, don't do it then. This is not when you're supposed to be producing anything and mm-hmm. you're supposed to be here for your dad. 
and and I'm grateful that I didn't put that pressure. I did have to ask for an extension, and the pressure came shortly afterwards in an equally terrible time. But you just sometimes have to listen to what is the healthiest for you. Right. You know. So how do you do that as an author who has a publisher who's expecting deadlines? I mean, how do you create those boundaries for yourself? It's tough. I mean, that was a pretty tight deadline. I, I, did, I asked for one extension. Um, and then I knew that I didn't know what was going to happen in those eight weeks. I didn't know we'd lose my dad at the end of them. Um, I didn't even know it was just eight weeks. Mm-hmm. So um, I knew that I would make that deadline. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I just knew I would do it. I guess I also was giving myself that flexibility to say if I had to beg for an extension, I would. Right. Um, but I, I do take what I do very seriously. You know, I, when you work with a publisher, those deadlines are important. Um, but life can throw a whole lot of curveballs, and that is something I've learned. And when I look forward as I write new books, I don't know what could happen. So I'm learning to build in more time mm-hmm. um, just in the in case things happen that I I can't predict, which right. that's living. So Yeah, well, for the what ifs, I mean, you have to give yourself some – I actually think that what you just shared, because I know obviously this is a – you're having to create your own structures, your own boundaries. There's, you know, no one other than a publisher who's saying here's certain deadlines. So I think about the person who's working for an employer right now that might hear some of that messaging. And I think there's so much similarity similarities here, which is, you know, if if you can't commit or you've taken something on and you're not in the right space that, yeah, it's hard to go to a boss or it's hard to go to somebody else and say, I'm not going to make that deadline. But the fact that you can communicate that and in some cases ask for forgiveness, just saying I'm just not in the right headspace, I think is incredibly important, especially now. I mean, I'm getting into more and more conversations with people around just the the environment right now where mm-hmm. people are in and still you know, navigating a pandemic and still trying to come out from all of that. That like, how do we give ourselves grace first and foremost, and how do we extend it to one another? Right. And I would imagine, too, in a corporate setting, that is a pretty different environment to have to say, I can't meet this deadline. But I think if we, when we speak up for ourselves and say, I can't meet this one, but I'll meet this one, if you can just give me this extra time. Mm -hmm. And if we're judicious and when we ask for that and when we need it, then it's going to be there for us, right? If you're if you meet most of your deadlines, then when life does get very tough, you have that little extra built in. And I, I do think that's important for people of all in all um, walks of life and in, in different jobs. Well, and for some people, they may hear this, too, and think, well, I can definitely use that in my job. But I'm also thinking that maybe this is something that I would like to do. And maybe I would like to write more. I would like to turn a career into this. You actually said something at the beginning, which was, you know, that I needed to, that you needed to be able to provide for your family. And I will tell you, when I first met you and you had really just said, like, I'm a writer, this is what I do full time. In my head, I was like, how does one do that where you write and that's actually Mm -hmm. funding and doing all these things? I mean, Yes, you're at a place now, you've published multiple books, but like, how do you even begin that process? Because I, like so many people, I think I would hear that and go, okay, wait a minute, how am I going to actually fund this as I'm just starting to try doing this? Right. Um, there were a few years before I was published 
where I was funding it. We were funding everything um, on the family dime. Okay. <laughs> um, but then my goal was to be traditionally published. And there are there are different pathways being published, a boutique publisher, self-publishing, traditionally published. The only difference really between that self or boutique publishing and traditional is the um, you are more of your own, your marketing, your publicity, your everything. You're, you're a business owner. Now, not to say traditionally published, you're not too. You still are. You're still in charge of marketing and publicity. You, you are the person who will you're your best advocate, right? In both situations. But I knew that I had a better shot in traditional publishing to reach a broader audience. Um, I knew that my, um, that extra time doing the marketing and getting your book, that's a lot of work. And I wanted to put that work into writing more books. So for me, that's the path I chose. And once I got there and I was able to um, work with an agent um, and get with my publisher, I write the kind of books now that you know I, I've I've grown an audience uh, readership. I don't write series, um, so each book kind of brings in new people because mm-hmm. they deal with different topics and different issues, different characters. Um, and so my goal was to publish a book a year, and that's so far my publisher continues to buy those books, um, and you know that's that's what I work towards every year. I'm always thinking of the next book. And pitching the next story. So it is that I keep my own deadlines, I keep my own intentions, and I work really hard to meet those. Yeah. Well, so it's really inspiring, by the way. I mean, it is because yeah, I'm just you. like, oh my gosh, I, I love it. And I love to be able to see somebody who's thriving and doing really good stuff and building some incredible stories to share. I feel very lucky. I feel very lucky that I have, that this is my career because I I love writing stories mm-hmm. and I love that they touch people. You know, I get a lot of really wonderful emails and um, people who reach out to tell me how, particularly with some of my books that deal with um, addiction or um, brain trauma. And I get people who say that I've dealt with this or my mom dealt with this or this is this is how we live. And I love that sharing of stories that people do with me because I wrote a story and then they share their own. That is some of the best part of this. So what are some of the topics or stories that you're maybe thinking about writing? Or what are some of the topics or stories that are really interesting to you right now? I love um, I love real people and I love topic. I love um, stories that deal with like found family or the family that you make. Mm-hmm. Um, family drives a lot of my stories. And that comes from my own family and my parents. I was my childhood was wonderful. I had two very solid, not perfect people, thankfully, (laughs) but very solid people and a very solid upbringing that made me look at the world and look at people who didn't necessarily have that and look at the strength that it took for people who didn't have that to create it for themselves and to move forward in this life. And I continue to admire anybody who comes from, um, more challenging situations and are is able to overcome that. So I search that out in characters and in stories. Um, but I always want to share a little bit too about why family is important, 
within those stories, Mm -hmm. whatever that family looks like. So I'm always searching for that. But my next one, I just finished a story set in Wyoming, and that's about a found family. It's about a man who's faked his own death to support his wife with Alzheimer's, and then a girl who's um, kidnapped her brother from um, their drug-addicted mother to take him to a safe place. So I also like very much to deal with intergenerational ties and bonds because I think there's so much beauty in those stories too. Um, and and then the idea of safe places. A lot of my books have like, this is your safe place. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the people who care for you. These are your, your family, your friends. This is your tribe. Um, and I love creating stories around those themes. If I thought about this as I was coming here today to the studio, you talk so much about the characters and what they mean to you and the stories. And I remember that when we had a chance to speak together. Um, If you were to write a book with you as a character, (laughs) what, what would that character be like? I've never been asked that question. (laughs) Yes, I did it. (laughs) Oh my God. I did it. I've asked a question. (laughs) I am so uncomfortable now. (laughs) Oh, this is really going to get good now. (laughs) With me as a main character. I would say I put a little bit of me in all my characters, a little bit of what I hope for in the world or in, and some readers see that spot on, you Mm -hmm. know, but I can't put too much of me. Um, I think this is a really uncomfortable question. (laughs) I'm going to deflect it completely. (laughs) Okay. Um, I do think that when I write each character, what I think about, so my character, um, Mac, Mm -hmm. um, he's 67 years old. He um faked his own death because he wanted his wife um to get better uh, treatment for this cancer she's dealing with completely overlooking the fact that she is actually at the end stage of alzheimer's and she doesn't want that she didn't want that and for me that is that reflects a little bit back on what it was like in the end for my dad so while this story is not the exact same mm-hmm. um Sometimes we can want something for somebody else that isn't what they want, even though it's out of love. And so I identified with Mac. And I think that's what I try to do in all my stories is how can I identify with each of these characters, even though we're totally different and our lives have not been the same? How can I, as a writer, identify so that I can write this character true to who they are? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's how I would say I have a little bit of me in everyone, not my own. I mean, if, if it's a character who's had a certain life, I keep true to that. I don't try to say, well, you're going to be different so that I like you better. Mm -hmm. Um, In Night of Many Endings, I have a character I don't like at all, but I end up loving her. (laughs) Um, But she was very hard to write. But I found ways to identify with her and to empathize with her so that I could write her. So I think that's that's kind of the – because if I were to – I couldn't put myself in a book. (laughs) Why? I don't know. Oh, I could write a nonfiction book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love to ask you about that. Here's what here's why I even thought of asking the question today. Question. <laughs> was um I I've been in this place where, you know, of course the work that I do, I share advice, I share stories. I I try to be as real as I can be, but it's it's interesting because I feel like there's um so maybe this is me like uncovering a a, a character for myself, which is it's the challenge of showing too much of maybe what's not going right in order for people to 
not necessarily fall in love with the character because I don't think about it that way, but for people to go, well, but I would still want to listen to this character. I'd want this character um, to at least take advice from them. And I feel like, I think that's part of the challenge, or at least for me, when I've, when I've, you know, written, whether it be a book, whether it be articles is, I mean, the truth of the matter is I've come out on the other side. So if I'm sharing advice around why setting boundaries is important, Mm -hmm. I'm just using that as a topic here, which I've talked about that before too. I mean, I've been in some places where I've been really bad at setting boundaries Mm -hmm. and it has, you know, at times almost eaten me alive, if not in the situation did eat me alive. So there's always like this balance of, I never want anybody to think that the character of me is perfect because it's not. Mm -hmm. I mean, even though I've, again, I've figured out maybe what the solution is, or I say like, I'm still working on this thing that this character isn't perfect. And I wonder if that's part of the challenge with the question, right? Because Mm -hmm. characters have both some heroic pieces to them, but they also have some pretty distinct faults. Right. Well, and that's what I love actually about writing other people is that um, I do think, because I think, and it doesn't have to do with the fault part. I think I would have a hard time writing myself. This sounds terrible. And like, maybe I should, (laughs) I should go talk to someone in depth about this, but about just the good parts, Mm -hmm. right? Like what I love about people is the complexity is the, and, and myself and you is that we aren't just this, I have boundaries and I can set them and that's how it works. Right. We are, well, I try and I'm probably going to fail, but there's, there's something to learn from that too. Mm-hmm. So for me with characters, that's what I'm looking for. What is, um, I love themes of redemption because I love imperfect. We're all imperfect. And I, I do believe that every one of us, but because perfection doesn't make us beautiful or lovely to be around. It's our imperfections and it's our failures, which if we go back to my career, failure to me is a huge part of why I sit here today is because of all the things that I failed at doing and had to learn from made me stronger as a person. Um, And so for writing a character or thinking about, I want to look at all pieces of that person because Mm -hmm. I think all of that is what makes us interesting. Right. Well, I think it is. I mean, I think that's what comes down to why it's so important for people to share their stories, the Mm -hmm. good, the bad, the in-between, the what you've learned, the what you're still learning along the way which is part of what you're talking about as you're developing characters because they're they're navigating certain things and whether it ends beautifully or it ends shockingly or it ends with there's still more work to do. I think that's so much of it's reflecting a lot about our lives, which is probably why people reach out to you right. and say, I saw myself in that or I saw mm-hmm. my family in that. A lot of times I get people that say, are you going to write more? I didn't like where it ended. I wanted more. <laughs> and I like to end just where it's beginning for so we've concluded this may be part of this person's story and now's our new beginning and i love that because mm-hmm. i love that idea of now there's more right you know you're still you're going to move forward from here so you're writing a number of books you're trying to commit to writing one book a year and you also made the comment earlier that you want to write books when you're 80 years old mm-hmm. so i guess what is the next phase of stories for you and i don't mean just around characters but sort of mm-hmm. what's the next phase of writing for you have you thought a little bit about that i kind of live in the a little bit in the moment in that where i allow my experiences to drive maybe what i want to write next 
Um, so I don't t- think too far ahead. I'm mostly uh, thinking about the book I'm writing and then well, maybe the next one. And for me, the next one, um, after my dad died, my mom um, w- ha- now lives in um, a um, retirement community. And we love it because the saying is 62 and better. (laughs) So, and everyone there is so interesting and lovely and vibrant and engaged with one another. And um, I told my mom, I said, I'm going to set a story in a retirement community because there's so many great stories here. Mm -hmm. And they might intertwine, they might not, but a lot of people have a lot in common. Um, at that stage of life. And I, like I said, I love intergenerational stories. I love writing all ages of characters. So that's, so I'm kind of like one step ahead. And that directly reflects where my, where I am with my mom mm-hmm. in life right now. Yeah, I love that. Well, I, I always, um, my aunt who, she doesn't live in a retirement community, but definitely a retirement um neighborhood mm-hmm. where you know, there's different and they've always got something going on which I'm I'm constantly in this place where I'm like I want to be retired I want to come <laughs> live where you live because <laughs> you're right I mean the stories are spectacular and there's so many people that have so much to share that I think just even being able to capture a number of those stories would be incredible yeah oh the filters come off when you get a little older and um, people they come from all backgrounds Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hi- the histories, the stories are are great, and it's it's bittersweet too, as you're in your this. It's bittersweet there for my mom and right. for people around her, um, and there's just something beautiful and you know heart wrenching about that. Yeah, well, I I will look forward to that piece of it, which I'm excited about. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> well, I ask every one of my guests um, at this point in my in the show, which is a life lesson that has impacted you in some way, shape, or form, and just give you the space um, to be able to share that now. Okay. So I came in, because I love this question, um, (laughs) I came in thinking I was going to say something totally different, but I think we've hit on all the things I would have said. So this one's a little, um, so I was eight years old, and we were on a family trip to Wyoming, and or we'd gone to Yellowstone, and we were in the Shoshone Lodge. And they called for anyone to come up and sing a song. And at the time, I loved Annie. And I would belt it anytime I could, tomorrow, all the time. I would belt tomorrow. And, and I, I'm not a singer <laughs> in the least. Oh, but see, now, hey, wait, now, wait a minute, because <laughs> we're just going to, we may have to do this at the end of the show. Because everybody's a writer, so maybe everybody's a singer. No, I, I'm truly not. <laughs> okay. I have no false pretenses. Yeah, I am not a singer. But I sang it all the time. I just love that movie. I love that song. And this time came. We're on the lodge. My brother, my sister, my mom, and dad were on this long trip. A trip my dad was very Clark Griswold. Um, he was the last, the greatest family man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we had the the you know, the, the um station wagon with the wood paneled sidings. We lost our luggage off the top of it during this trip, scattering across the highway. Um, so we'd come to this time, we'd had a wonderful visit, and they say, Anyone want to come up and sing? Open mic. And my dad says, Missy, get up there and sing Annie. And I was horrified. No, Dad, I am not going to do that. That's for your ears only. (laughs) For you all to bleed from the ears with my voice. I'm not going to do it. Missy, get up there. Do it. Come on. You you should do that. And I did not. 
I didn't do it. And <laughs> when he passed, one of the things that I wrote, sorry, <laughs> was that I wished I'd gotten up and sang Annie. Okay. So I would say my life lesson is to do those things that scare you the most. I did start writing because of my dad. And um, that was something I took to my writing. It's something I think of every day. I didn't think I could do it. I didn't know if I could be a published author. I didn't know if anyone would enjoy my stories. But I did. I, I continue to do it. I do still wish I got up there and sang Annie, <laughs> but um, I did learn from that because um, I continue to do the thing that scares me sometimes the most, even though I've published many books. Each book is a new experience, um, and, I'm, and I'm grateful for my dad for that. So yeah. my life lesson would be do the thing that scares you. Yeah. God, that's huge. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. I think everybody needs to hear I'll do it with you if you want to sing it quick. <laughs> we could sing the first line together okay. for your dad. Are we gonna do tomorrow? Yeah, I'm assuming it's just the yeah. sun will come the out. The sun will come out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna do it with you, but All I feel right. like you need to take the lead on this. Okay. The, the sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. What is your dad's name? What Charlie. Dad's name Charlie. Yeah. Uh, he heard it, which is awesome. Okay. Well, I want people to be able to find you and read your books and enjoy your books. And I'm already starting to enjoy the one that you gifted me. So where can people find you, follow you, and buy your stuff? You can find me at melissapainauthor.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, uh, but I'm very active on Instagram, and that's at melissapainwrites. Thank yeah. you so much for spending time with me and sharing um, – just sharing more about the process and just how it's come to be. I'm really, I'm really grateful that you are a writer too, because yeah. I think it's an incredible gift and I'm so grateful that you're sharing it with everyone. Well, and thank you for what you do. I love your podcast and I love the stories that you bring to us through that. Well, thank you. <laughs>